You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and this week I'm joined by a chap from Quebec in Canada, um, and his name is Max Gosselin, and he has a, uh, a fascinating family business story that um, we thought it'd be great to, to share. Um, there's lots of different things uh, in there that we think that uh, other families can learn from. Um, so firstly, Max, welcome to the show, and, and thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Now, um, the, the beginning of your story perhaps has a, an untypical um, start to, to many, um, which I'll allow you to, to get into, but it involves professional basketball, I understand. Yeah, I, um, I, semi-professional, let's call it that way. I was, uh, I was passionate and absolutely crazy about basketball since uh, the age of six, and I, I ended up playing from Montreal, Quebec. I went out to play at the Davidson College in North Carolina, with uh, some players that some of you guys may know, one of them being being Steph Curry, one of, probably one of the best players in the world today. Yeah, very well known today. Yeah, yeah. I, even I've heard of him. <laughs> and um, I also played on the on the Canadian national team and uh, in different places. And and I had a, a special mindset uh, in in my basketball career that was that uh, I could do it. Uh-huh. I, uh, I I relied on um, effort and and determination to to be the better players in the fourth quarter, I was recognized for a higher level of energy than most people and, and a higher level of, of dedication that, than most people that, that led me, even though I wasn't the tallest of players or the most offensively talented, uh-huh. or, or, or maybe I was a little bit lack there of, of, of offensive talent, but I could still uh, play a good bit of basketball because of my, uh, my hard-headedness. Uh-huh. So that's, that's how it all started. Fantastic. And then uh, from there, you, uh, you, have, uh, you wound up working for the family business. So, so can you just spend a little bit of time explaining the, the kind of journey from semi-professional basketball into, into the family business? Absolutely. So, so after I, I, I finished my, uh, my college basketball career at, at uh, Davidson College, I decided to go back to Montreal and to become a basketball coach. So my first uh, business endeavor was to actually create the first uh, basketball program that was making money instead of spending money. So it was a, it was a fantastic experience to be a leader of, of 14 young men that were passionate about the same sport I was passionate about and were five or six years just younger than I was and I was responsible for their growth. And, and I, I, I was absolutely in love with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, after one year and, a, and a, quite a performance in terms of financial uh, leadership of that small entity and uh, winning the bronze medal for the, the provincial championship, I asked the school if I could get a paycheck because they, they were paying me $4,500 a year for a full-time position. So it's not quite something you can live on. Uh-huh. And um, uh, my, uh, my savings had run out. So I, and they, they said there was no job for me there. And, and I, was, uh, I was quite shocked. At, and then my, my family were in business and they had, my parents had always been entrepreneurs. And I, uh, I did what uh, everybody without a job doesn't, does when, when they need a job. I started asking around. And uh, I um, phoned my parents and I said, I'm, I don't have a job and I don't have a cent. So do you think there would be a position for me in, in the family company? And um, at that point, actually, they, they didn't 
actually figured that their company was a family company. They just figured uh-huh. they had a company. That's and, interesting. Uh, I, uh, I called them up and they, they said, yeah, we, we, could have, uh, we could have lunch and, and talk about it. And uh, sat at lunch. I remember it was, I remember the, it was Baton Rouge. We sat at a, a little lunch spot next to, next to their office, not, not far away. And um, I asked the question, may I get a job? And I got a response. Yes, you can. You're, you're our son. You're, you're tall. You're intelligent. You're capable. You'll be a salesman. And, and I, I, was, I was very happy. I was, I was actually thrilled. Um, and my parents uh, owned a company that is called Les Dépendances. They import, uh, import and distribution of fine cheeses. So mm-hmm. the, 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 really what we were going for is to import the small farmstead cheeses from, from England, from, from France, from Greece, from Italy, and to get the highest possible quality cheese into Canada in order for the Canadian consumer to enjoy uh, that product. So that's what we were doing. And um, I, uh, I started the following Friday and um, I had a complete um, lack of knowledge of cheese. I knew uh-huh. nothing about the product. Um, I had, I would put, I'd put the orders together for Christmas time because Christmas is really intense for, for that company or that, um, that category of companies. Anyways, the food business or high end food business in Canada is huge for Christmas. Yeah. So Started the, the Friday after my interview that lasted an hour that actually asked me zero question about selling or uh-huh. cheese. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I just went on the road. I had a two-hour training session with the person that, that held the position I was going to get because she was leaving. And, and that person actually had, had several interesting features. First, it, it was a woman. Second, um, she had never trained anybody in selling. Mm-hmm. So the two hours I spent with her, I was actually driving her car from one client to the next. And she was telling me the addresses of clients right. to remember. And I couldn't write them down because I was driving to them. Uh-huh. Uh, so my training period of two hours um, got me the following Monday to be a salesman on the most important um, route. We had seven throughout the province and, and I was responsible for sales for the highest pers- period of the year, most important period for the most important route. And I had had two hours of training and knew nothing about the product or the company I was selling it for. Uh-huh. And as you may imagine, <laughs> uh, it went horribly wrong. And uh, I was the first salesman ever in the company to, uh, to do a negative growth over the Christmas period from, from last year to this year. Uh, that was 2010. Uh-huh. So here goes the, the I can do it attitude of a, of a basketball athlete going into a business endeavor that he has no clue what he's doing and, and fails miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was my first experience of, of the family business. And, and it was the first experience of my parents. And, uh, and, and it was the first experience of, of our clients, which, which were quite shocked because another special feature of, of, our, uh, of the salesman that was, the saleswoman that was there before me is that uh, we had quite a few um, Arabic-speaking clients and she spoke Arabic fluently. Right. Uh, they were quite shocked when they met a six foot five man rather than, than a, a soft spoken, small yeah. 55 year old lady that spoke perfectly their language while yeah. I didn't say one word or couldn't understand wow. anything. Wow. So that, that was the first experience and it, it started kind of rough. Yeah, it sounds it. And I'm interested in, you say you gave your parents a call when the basketball uh, coach role didn't, didn't work out. Was that the first conversation you'd ever had about joining the family firm? There was, there was always, and uh, my parents were always 
open to us um, being around the business. But it, uh, so I so I I put together orders as I said for Christmas for for my entire life. I we 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 were around the company or within it, studying there in terms of if you if you wanted to be around your parents, they were at the warehouse. So so that's where we would end up after school. And but but there was never a formal talk about. Uh, who is interested in joining and, and and what's the career path and what are the opportunities in the company? It was, it was simply, this is where we are. This is where we live, uh, quotation marks. This is where yeah. my parents spend their time. So uh, we would go there quite often, but there's, there's never a talk about joining or not jo- joining the family company. And I'm also um, interested in, um, you, you know, you went, you went and asked for the role and rather than sort of starting you off slowly and, and, sort of breaking you in gently that the, your parents decided to put you on the most important um, sales uh, route uh, yeah. at the most important time of the year. So that, that's quite an interesting um, decision. Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, it's a need-based dis- decision. Like that, they, this lady was leaving, right. they needed a salesperson and here's this guy asking for a job. He's, he's, they, they thought I was capable and, and I was intelligent enough to get it done. Um, and and what they figured is is that intelligence is, is doesn't makes you a, a salesman. Or if 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 I have any of that said intelligence, it, it clearly wasn't enough to to do a good job selling mm-hmm. um, in in a in a month turnaround. Like you you had to have more than that. You have to have experience. You have to have knowledge. You have to have relationship with clients in order to make it happen. Yeah. And um, I think it was is really just we need somebody to sell. You're here ask for a job. We'll, we'll try you as a salesman. Uh-huh. And so you, you had a, a fairly um, disastrous start. Did, did, did things get better after that? I, I maintain my, my attitude as an athlete, which is I can do it and, and I will figure it out. So I, we, we closed our business from, from the 23rd of December for two weeks. That's uh-huh. how it worked. So every cycle, yearly cycle would start that way. And um, I spent those two weeks to just absorbing as much information through through Google research, asking my parents questions, and and just taking that off time where I, I had no responsibility to absorb just everything I could about cheese, um, and I I did a, a fairly good job apparently because I uh, started again uh, January fifth, uh, two thousand eleven, and uh, and that year I was I was the best salesman the company ever had. So so I I knew. I studied selling and I studied cheese and I, I put the two together with the help of, of my father who was uh, responsible for, for salespeople in the company at that point. And, um, and I, just, I just went at it with a different angle, a more refined approach and, and a lot more knowledge about cheese and, and actually uh, did, did a decent job that year and, and, and did, had a, a much better performance. And you weren't tempted at any point to say, actually, cheese isn't for me. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go and look elsewhere. I was from the, in, in our family, we, we learned passion. So, so I, I, my father was a basketball player. My sisters learned the passion of basketball and they passed it on to me. And, and I'm growing up, I was not passionate about cheese, but I got into the business and I, I got around my parents who, who were clearly passionate about the, the product. And I, and just being around passionate people, you absorb that, that, that love for what they do. And from, I would tell you the second the second week I I was there I I would have never thought of doing anything else I was madly in love with with cheese even though at that point I 
I was I sucked at selling it, but I still was madly in love with with the product, and I, I was eating more cheese than than a human being probably should, and, and <laughs> getting to know the tastes, and and I yeah. I was to, to this day I, I absolutely love cheese, talking about it, eating it, uh, comparing it, uh, selling it, but I, that's 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 in a different life, but I, I still yeah. still love the product. Excellent. And, and so you took that time, uh, which is a fairly short period of time, really, to, to teach yourself um, sort of all the, all there is to know about the, the cheese and the selling side of it. Um, but, but it had uh, immediate re- results because you went straight back out and, um, uh, and as you say, you were number one in, in the country the following year. Um, yeah. What happened from then? So, so I, my dad had, had done sales for the longest time and before he was able to separate himself from the, that side of business and have somebody else do it for him where he could delegate. Um, so me, after, uh, after one year, I, uh, I, January 2012, I went to my parents and I said, okay, I, I was the, the best of the company, so I believe I figured it out. Uh, I want to do something different. And they were shocked. They were uh-huh. absolutely uh, just couldn't believe that after one one successful year i was ready to do something different and um the uh, it, it might have not been the best decision ever either but uh, but i was really looking forward to learning more learning something different a different angle of the of the business because i felt there was so much to learn uh, other than doing my route my 150 clients and going door to door opening a new client i thought i could do something different something more for the company yeah and um my parents did, did not have a plan or, or an idea or, or actually a, of, of what to do next. They were like, okay, find yourself a position, find something that you can do uh-huh. and do it. And, uh, so, I, so I did, I, uh, 2012, I, I dove into fixing things that I thought were to be fixed. And uh, I was a bit like a, a loose cannon shooting in the dark, just trying to find things to fix in a company that was perfectly working. So it's, it's not like we we're in a financial, difficult financial situation. We had $11 million in sales at that point, And we were, uh-huh. we were doing well, being financially viable and, and actually in vibrant health. And I went out and, and tried to fix this and fix that. And, and finally realized that um, my father and I were the only two people that were knowledgeable about the product of cheese and i thought that was a big problem so i found uh i found a program in europe in france where you could learn about cheese making by the most prominent cheese makers in in um in western france so mm-hmm. i uh convinced my parents to send me to french where my, where my parents had never uh i never had the, the opportunity to go that that school yeah. is 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 uh, is a is fantastic opportunity and after some convincing they were like this kid is crazy, but he wants to yeah. go to Europe to learn. So we'll send them. So they, they paid for my trip to go six weeks. I toured France and I went to school seven to five and uh, just dove into learning cheese at night. I would go to tastings at the morning at five in the morning. I would go to different places where people were aging cheese, wow. created relationships with suppliers. And, and I was absolutely in love with that. And I also played professionally semi-professional basketball at the same time from from 7 to 9 p.m every day in france yeah so so wow. I, so anyways that's another funny story but i had so studied cheese for six weeks and played uh, semi-pro basketball out in france and putting a super time and i came back and i decided to 
my goal was to bring back the knowledge and, and to share it with all of our staff. So we had, we had 35 staff at that point, 35, 37, I don't remember exactly. And uh, I came back and I, I built a, a cheese school. It was called uh, The Experience in Cheese, uh, in French, obviously. So it sounded a little smoother, but yeah. uh, that's, <laughs> that's what it said. And, and I, I trained um, intensively the 37 people on our staff so that anybody in our company could answer any question about any one of our cheeses. Uh -huh. uh, we had 650 kinds in, in inventory. So, so they, uh -huh. they could all figure out what family they were from, where they were from, uh -huh. uh, how to sell them, how to put a, a sales argument together and, and how to inject people with the passion for cheese. Uh -huh. And, um, and that had a, a, a great effect on our sales team. So it was a fantastic, uh, opportunity for our salespeople. We were able to attract better salespeople for the following generation of salesmen because yeah. we, we had this attitude. So that's, that's the next thing I did. Uh -huh. And the, 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 the question that sprang to mind at, at that point is that you'd had a, a fairly um, bad start to, to your life within the, the family business. Um, and decided to stick it out and then had a successful year. And then at the end of that year, went to your parents and said, actually, I want to do something different. Uh, I'm interested in your views as to whether if you were non-family, ha had any of those things happened, what, what your parents' reactions may have been? W would they have been different? I, I, this, is a, this is the first time somebody asked me this question, this question even though I've told this story several times. And, and uh, it's a fantastic question. Thank you. And I, I think it, it would have been different. I, the position I had after a salesman is sales coordination, and I did zero sales coordination. So, uh -huh. so the, the position <laughs> I had created for myself was, was non-existent and, and, and was inefficient in terms of there, there was a sales director and a sales coordinator. My, the position that I crafted clearly had no um no reason to be and that's yeah. why I, I focused on learning rather than actually having an impact to anything else to more operations at that point so i i think i the the, the bulk of the opportunity that i that i had through the family company um came came because i was the the son of of the owners uh -huh. uh, hopefully the and I don't know if it was seen that way in the company, but it, I think it was the it was the, the the bulk of the reason why I, I was getting all those fantastic opportunities. Yeah, and and, and there were positive impacts you had as well, though. I mean, if you take the initial sort of three month period where you took on the the sales role and it didn't quite work out, from that point on, it sounds as if everything that you then tried to implement had a very positive impact on on the business. Yeah, the impact as a sales coordinator that was actually teaching people about cheese so as, as, a, as a cheese teacher was, was very positive because um, our sales team was then recognized as in, in Canada as one of the most knowledgeable team because the people could call uh, any one of our salesmen and get an answer about any uh, feature of the, the aging quality of this and that cheese and why this family could had to be wrapped a certain way into a counter and how to set a to better attract consumers and, and be able to have an, an easier conversation between a, um, a, a, store, uh, a, a store manager and, and a consumer. So um, our staff went from being uh, people able to deal price on cheese like commodity and from, from that to being um, very knowledgeable uh, 
cheese experts that could share them efficiently with with consumers and with uh, with store managers of of uh, cheese re- cheese retail stores around the, the country. So that had a positive impact on our company and also um, augmented our sales quite um, uh, quite efficiently on on that year. So it was a it was a direct and positive impact. So even though it was disorganized, the impact kept kept on being positive. And you came in um, as uh, a next gen member with, with almost a fresh pair of eyes, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, uh, and you mentioned that you, your parents hadn't considered the business as a family business and, until you kind of mentioned that to them. Um, and, and were there other ideas that you were able to sort of bring to the table that, that they embraced? Yeah, uh, def- definitely. So, I, so, um, so my, my parents saw themselves as, as entrepreneurs and, and not as family entrepreneurs per se. Mm-hmm. And, uh, joined the business, I think they, they're shocked at the, the, the effect that, that my presence was having on, on everything because I, I, was, uh, uh, I was adamant about change. And I, it, I, a lot of it came my, my age and my inexperience in business. I was coming from the sports uh, sector into cheese and I, I wanted to have a positive impact. So I was moving things around sometimes uh, aimlessly in order to create eventual positive change. And um, the, uh, one of the things I, I attacked after, after I was done with the, with the cheese school um, is, is the warehouse floor plan and, and how to optimize uh, just the, locals, the localization of, of our SKUs and how to make the warehousing space more efficient, which was my father's absolute passion. He loved to know where each wheel of cheese was in, in our warehouse. And uh, I went in and and decided to, to change that because he knew where every wheel was, but he was the only one to ever know where the cheese was because he, he would move it around to, to his satisfaction. Uh, And, and that was very complicated for staff to maintain that the is, is rate of, of, just remembering where every wheel was. Everybody had to commit to memory where every 650 SKU was. And, and that was very difficult. So I, I implemented some, some warehousing theory that I was just learned online the, the day before and I was trying stuff and, and I actually step, stepped on my, my father's turf. And, and that was, that was quite, um, quite a difficult experience yeah. as well as for me nice. because it, it created a lot of, of conflict. Yeah, I was going to ask how did that um, how did that go down? <laughs> it, it it went it, it went. Uh, I used the um, a technique that's called uh, hear nothing, say nothing. So in the end, I would uh, I would go in the warehouse and and just change things and and not really get approval on, on changes. And and then instead of asking for permission, I would ask for forgiveness and and see if it had a positive impact and. Right. At the end of the year, we we had our most profitable year um, ever for the company. So so the changes that were made in the end helped our staff to, to be able to be more more independent and, and more um, autonomous in, in their job. Uh, from that, they, they got some uh, they, they increased their engagement, and we were able to to be more more efficient and more productive as a company. So so that's the what I attacked the, the, the following year and, and it, it created a lot of conflict and in the end a positive impact. So I was reinforced in, in what I, I would call today in, in a negative behavior, which was to not listen to anybody and to just go ahead and, and change things. Uh-huh. So after the warehousing, I, um, I, I kept on going and I, I, 
uh, presented the project of integrating um, an ERP system, so enterprise resource planning software. Uh -huh. uh, my parents did everything by hand and paper, uh, most of everything by hand and paper, and we had no, um, uh, we had no online or, or uh, uh, inventory at that, at that point, and our, our sales were transferred through telephone uh, from our sales team to our uh, internal sales team. So it was, it was very, um, it was very uh, pen and paper up to that point. And, and I, I figured that we needed to computerize our processes. And mm -hmm. I told my parents, we need to do this. And they were like, okay, how much is it going to cost? I said, I have no idea. They said, we're not doing it until you say how much it costs. And, and I, and I, uh, I went I went in, we did some research and actually found not only how much it would cost, but how I could cover most of the costs by um, getting a subsidy from the government for uh, research and business. Um, okay. So I, I got not, not only the price it would cost, but 50% of it would be covered by, by a subsidy. So, so they, at that point, they, they barely had a choice but to say yes. Yeah. But the, the truth of the matter is I, I took every process that they had put together over 35 years and, and within 12 months, it was completely transformed and put onto a computer interface that they were not, uh, not comfortable with and, and not particularly happy to be using. And, and I don't know if you've used an ERP, uh, but, but it's, it's constant. You are referring to it constantly once it's integrated into a business. Yeah. So we, um, following year that we put that in place and, and once again, I had our most profitable and most, um, uh, we had the highest sales, the most profitable year that year. That was 2014 uh, wow. when we put in the ERP. And, and, uh, and again, and, but, but, sorry, it, it sounds as if um, it, you were bringing in um, systems and processes and controls and um, sort of modernizing the business and making things um, better. Uh, and yet the relationship that you had with your parents was perhaps deteriorating as a result. Yes, the, the, the problem, in fact, most of the time, probably was not the change that we were putting in place, but the attitude that I was conveying, because I maintained the line of thought that I could do it, that I, as the basketball player, and as, as the successful basketball coach and the successful salesman, I could do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that attitude did not... Um, did not end up in, in conversation and consensus. It, it ended up in, in going ahead and making change and forcing change. And not only did it, uh, did it rub my parents the wrong way, and it also uh, frustrated many of their, of their legacy employees that were in the business that were doing a fine job with working with my parents and, and, and making their vision come to life for, for many years. So I, we actually had a 33% uh, turnover rate of the staff uh, mm -hmm. during the, the couple of years I was a manager because, because the vision I was bringing on board um, really did, did not correlate with, with a lot of uh, people's rate of change that they were used to. My parents were, were more consistent in their approach than, than the, the change that I was bringing on board. So not only did my parents... Um, get frustrated but a lot of their legacy employees that that they loved and that they had grown their business with uh also also left the company yeah and that's really interesting to me because to, to be a successful coach as you were with with the basketball team mm -hmm. you need to um almost sell a vision and get everybody working towards the same goal 
Uh, and those skills you would expect to be transferable, was it, was it just, the, as you say, the pace of change that was uh, perhaps causing the issues? I think, I think that I eventually uh, what, what has happened is that I, um, actually the following year, I, I realized that I couldn't do it all myself and that I needed a team. And yeah. uh, I, so because basically I, I made a simple calculation in my mind. My, my dad worked 60 hours a week, my mom 40, and they wanted me to take, take on both, both responsibilities. Uh-huh. So um, that's an hour, an hour, an hour, 100 hour um, week. Uh, 52 weeks out of the years. And, and I could not do that. I have yeah. a lot of energy, but I didn't believe I could do that. So I started um, putting in place a team. And the problem was, I think that I, I still could uh, sell a vision is that my vision and my parents' vision were different and we, and we never took the time to align them. So, so I would sell my vision efficiently to a part of the team and the part that didn't believe in it uh, left left the company and the part that believed in it really believed in it and, and were able to drive growth and, and drive profit, profitability and, and and we had put in place at the end of 2014 uh, we had I had put in place a, a management team that was that was quite efficient with with some some high talent uh, high potential people that that had integrated the, the company in the last um, at, at the end of 2015, uh, 2014, sorry, uh, we had integrated five, five managers that could really take, take the business to the next level. So yes, I had that habit, but what happened is that I figured at one point that, um, maybe my parents were, were on the other team. So I was building a team, but my, my parents, I did not take the time or, or have the tact or have the, the capacity to, to share my vision efficiently with my parents so that we could, uh, discuss it and and all be on the same on the same boat at the same time. Yeah, because it sounds um, we, we get a lot of um, sort of generic guidance and advice to to family firms over here in the UK, and I'm sure it's the same um, yeah. sort of uh, in Canada and far beyond. Yeah, but the, the advice centres on um, bring in a management team so that you can take on um, the, the structure and grow the business and uh, advance the technology and and you, you know, I, I hate to use the phrase, but professionalize the business in the sense of documenting um, yeah. practices and, and procedures. So, so, so you've ticked all of those boxes in terms of what the professional advice would suggest you do for for continuing the business uh, to, to grow and, and thrive. And the results are backing that up as well because you're having year after year of profit growth and turnover growth and, and, and success. Yeah, and yet behind um, the scenes, if you like, or or, or within the family unit, yeah, it seems to pro- progressively go in the other way, and that's that's quite an interesting um, sort of uh, position for for it to be in, given that the results were positive. Yeah, the, you're right. I think um, I think it is a, an interesting perspective. But I, after uh, much examination of of, of our story and and um, story, does doesn't end there, and I. I but but we'll keep telling the t- telling it till the end. But what, yeah. what I think happened is um, my my lack of listening skills uh, at that point were were the the most important factor. So the fact that we we're driving growth and profit um, had very little influence on the relationship uh, I was having with uh, with my mother and father because they they felt many times like that, that I was, uh, 
that was that was disrespecting the the legacy of their business that i was that, that i had no um no regard for the effort that they had put in to to bringing that to bring in that for that far and and it it seemed that way but in my mind i i couldn't communicate it efficiently at that point very sadly but but what i was trying to do is is to take the business on to the to the next level but what they were seeing is is aggression so i was i was aggressively transforming the company in order for it to to go on to the next level to be able to to have the business grow further but uh -huh. what it was this this energy and and aggressivity that that i was carrying in terms of willing to go on um was uh was felt by the other parties my parents just as aggression and uh -huh. it was is very very sad and i think a lot of it has to do with with listening skills i just i could not listen at that point okay and then you, you go on to say that, that that's not the end of the story um so so what what happened after that point bearing in mind that the the business is seems to be going um very well uh, yeah what, the, the business of the, so so end of 2014 we have our uh, our highest sales year uh, ever with with our most profitable year at the same time ever in terms of of um profit profit percentage um and January 5th, 2015, I, I get in a meeting with my parents and uh, they, uh, they give me an ultimatum because they literally um, just feel like they can no longer work with me mm -hmm. uh, and they can, they can no longer work without me because all the processes and the management team have changed. Everything is, is transformed. So they, they can no longer work with me because I, I can't listen to anything and I, I just go around like a loose cannon putting together projects and, and, and sub teams and making things change. And, uh, they, they don't want to work with me anymore. So they, they tell me on that, in that meeting, you have two options to either buy the company, um, or we're going to sell it together. And, uh, the, they clearly, um, mentioned the fact that they, they are for selling. They, they want, they want out and they would, they would like everybody. They would like the, the family, uh, the Gosson family to, to get out, to get out, out all at the same time. And, mm -hmm. uh, in order to, to preserve a family relationship and because I, I do not feel adequate as, as a, as a CEO of that company, I, I feel adequate as a, as a general manager. I feel like I'm doing a, a decent job at what I'm doing, but I, I not only, don't feel ready for the, the CEO and owner position, which is new and, and baffling in terms of it, of its uh, implications for me, yeah. but as, as, as well as the, the fact that my parents want out and, and, and I clearly feel like it's, it's time to, if we want to preserve the family unit that we've had before this whole uh, leadership uh, succession episode if we want to survive as a family it, it's it's time to align with with my parents and to sell so i the the five years i had put and and the and the 35 years they had put to build that company um into what it was we we had to turn around and, and put it on the market and sell it and do it all in in secret during i was building a management team and, and selling my vision to it to a new team so it was, it was quite a a conflicting and and uh, 
emotionally charged time the, the year 2015 which yeah. which culminated on uh, September 4th 2015 in the in the sell outright of our company a very uh, profitable and and very uh, great sell actually of the uh-huh. company but at that point uh, being I was what uh, I was thir- I was 30 years old and I had invested from 25 to 30 in the family business yeah. uh, in order to eventually uh, be able to carry on the tradition. And I was found myself on, on the 5th of September without a phone, a computer, a car, <laughs> or, or an identity because yeah. all of that was related directly to the family business. So it was quite a, quite a shocker at that, yeah. at that time to, uh, to be able to, to re- refocus and, and find the next uh, the next thing to to do. Yeah, and I was going to ask actually that we haven't covered your your age in it. In you're a young guy um, doing yeah. it, and obviously that that was back in 2010 to 2015. So um, at, at that age, the, the prospect of taking on a multi million dollar um, company. Um, that although, as you say, you're a very good general manager and, and dealt with the the operations side of it, it's a very intimidating prospect um to, to take on such a responsibility but but were you ever tempted was it a, a, a feasible option for you to buy the company yeah there's there's a it, yes and no yes it was a feasible option yes i i had secured financing um with um two different uh financial institutions here in, in quebec that were ready to to back me as a as a future owner and to be able to um to, to allow me to buy the bulk of the shares of the company, but uh, I wasn't able to pay market rate outright within right. the next few months. Uh, I was able to pay a, a good rate for the company, but not as much as we were able to get uh, going out in the market and finding uh, somebody with much more financial means than I had at that point, which I was, I was a 30 year old uh, manager of a family company. I, I had savings in, in the, uh, in, you know, in the, couple tens of thousands of dollars there's nothing that you can uh that allows you to purchase a very healthy financially healthy 15 million dollar revenue business uh at that point so mm-hmm. so it was it was the the perspective of having several million dollars uh, several million dollars in debt in a company that was the sole owner and manager yeah. uh, that was the perspective that was in my mind was was uh more uh but the scary part, I think, that was was debt in the whole thing. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and so the business was sold. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned fifth of September. You wake up. You, you kind of you've lost your identity. Uh, your car, your laptop, your phone. <laughs> you know, it is. What, what did you do? I um, I stayed in bed for the first time ever on the fifth it was a saturday morning as the first time ever i couldn't muster the strength to get out of bed and that was a quite a curious experience for for an athlete and, and a, an entrepreneur that i considered myself up until that point i was yeah. always fired up just to get going in the morning and then uh, i wasn't and it took took me a couple of weeks and I, I was i received offers to be uh, a salesperson or a general manager of different plastic companies. And, and I, I was flabbergasted. I, I couldn't believe I would, I would go on to sell plastic or, or milk powder or any of that. I, I didn't f- correlate to any of, of the opportunities that were offered. And, and I, two weeks after that, I bought a, a one-way plane ticket to Nicaragua and I brought with me a um, couple pairs of shorts and all of the 
succession planning literature I could put my hands on. So I, I literally left with Nicaragua with nothing but an ebook, a bunch of magazines, uh, and a laptop I had just purchased for myself in uh -huh. order to understand. I was absolutely adamant that I had, must have done uh, things and, and I must have made mistakes that, that I could have done differently and I needed to understand. So I, I used the, my, my, my passion for learning that I've always had in order to understand succession planning and how to actually make it happen. So, so I left and uh, just read everything that I could put my hands on. So I, I was searching the internet through, a, I was a small room in Nicaragua and I, I was just going at succession how does it work? How does family business work? And I got absolutely crazy about the topic. I, mm -hmm. I, I, was, I was eating it up. I just, every book was more fascinating. So I read all of uh, John Davis at Harvard, all of John Ward at Northwestern. I, I read everything I could put my hands on uh, internationally as well. And, um, and I, I never ended being passionate about the topic. So my experience, which, which had lots of ups and downs, has, has sparked yet another passion for for family business and it, and it's it's never died down to, to this day fantastic and th there's a um somebody we collaborate with on on the podcast called nick smith who's written a um a very comprehensive book um called advising the family-owned business um he mentions in the book that if you look at the the case studies of very big family businesses over the years sort of the headline um uh, family firms that have perhaps um, failed you can look back to a point in time where there's a an intervention point that that had something been done differently that the outcome may have been very different as well do you, do you feel that would be relevant for your own um, business I, I actually the, the, the what i've learned most is is what i what i'm most adamant about today is that is the redefinition of failure i mm. think i think we i think selling one business and that's that's something that that the family firm institute is 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 adamant about as well is that there is research out there right now that says that entrepreneurship entrepreneurial families have as their most important asset entrepreneurship and not an enterprise and that's um and that's what to me is most striking and that's the message i try to, to carry along I, I hope you understand in my story that there's yeah. there's no soreness i have a great relationship with my parents today and we, we are able to to communicate on on the past and on the future and we're able to to build relationships to, to we have we have been able to rebuild our relationship to a point today where we're very happy to spend time together uh -huh. and um, what what i've learned and and i i hadn't read that until until uh much later, um, actually, actually about a year ago, um, this this research by um, Robert Nason at, Concord at Concordia that that really says that what is most um, important in an entrepreneurial family business is is the spirit of entrepreneurship, uh -huh. and I think uh, through all the the difficulties and through uh, what we lived in in our family, my my parents have uh, have. St still um, not only sparked this 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 will in me to change things which is very entrepreneurial but um my parents were the only uh, entrepreneurs in in their generation in their brothers and sisters uh -huh. and in my generation they have they have sparked the passion of of more than 10 different companies so 10 wow. companies 
uh, are not directly financially related, but they are inspired by the efforts and the commitment that my parents have put into their businesses. And, um, and I think that's, that's the legacy that our, our family will leave behind. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the cell of Les Dépendances, which is a positive cell in terms of, in business terms, it was very positive. So uh, I, I hope to convey the idea that selling a, a family business is not failure. It's, yeah. it's part of what most families live through. And, and if, if the commitment to entrepreneurship and, and the, the, the love of the family can be maintained, I think, I think it, it should be seen as, as quite, a, quite a success indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what it also shows as well is that although all the textbook stuff was being followed in terms of growing profitability and turnover and, and, and the, the rest of it, but the most valuable thing to come out of it was the preservation of a relationship with your family. Yeah. And, yeah. and to, to, to risk that and to sacrifice that for the sake of, of money, um, I think it just highlights that there's more important things in life. Yeah, but it's, it's very, it's, it's very easy. Hindsight 2020, if you've ever heard that, that, that saying that it's looking back, it's like, oh, it's all clear and blah, blah, blah. It was important. But in the moment, it it, it felt more like a whirlwind of emotion than it felt like a business decision or a family decision. It is just trying to survive at that point today uh-huh. looking back two years later we're, we're able to to make a difference between what was and what wasn't and how it i was actually was or wasn't or felt or wasn't felt but back then and i understand family businesses who struggle with with all these different like uh, perspectives and and visions and and understandings and generation gaps the the amount of, of work and the communication required in order to align different entrepreneurial generations is a tremendous, tremendous amount of energy required. It's, it's, it's un, unheard of and, and very rarely talked about the amount of energy and time that must be inv- invested in order for two generations to see eye to eye and to, and to go on in business together. It, it's very people think it's magical most of the time and it'll just click click in the place eventually but i think the the time invested in the energy is is too often um under under mentioned or or uh, yeah under mentioned or not mentioned i agree i completely agree um and i guess sort of bringing things to uh to, to a conclusion in terms of of the interview is there a a tip given your experiences i think there's so much to learn from the experience and the way you articulate it and your honesty i think our audience will be able to learn an awful lot from that but but if you were to pass on say one tip is there one you could put your finger on that that you would advise other firms to to look at yes definitely i think i think the number one skill for for business family businesses to to acquire at all costs, to invest in, uh, and to seek and to learn is is to listen. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing in order for all of that to go better than it went for our family, uh, in terms of in terms of harmony and in terms of creating profit, that's the crazy thing. I think we had a great financial performance, but if my parents and I had been aligned, our financial success would have been much greater, uh-huh. and and our our level of harmony much would have been much, much greater. And I, I, I literally, I, I, I talk about this constantly here in Canada and, and in Quebec, listening, 
is something that is acquired. It is human beings have a hard time doing this. And in this day and age, maybe more than ever. And, and it's a skill that you can learn about on the internet. You can go to, you can go to clinics to be able to do it better. And, and, it, and it is absolutely of prime importance that next gens and present owners of companies just make listening something that they care about deeply. And I think that that could make uh, succession planning and succession and, and family business as a whole at all levels um, much, much more fun to be in and, mm. and much more profitable as well. Excellent. Uh, I think that's a fantastic tip. Um, so, so thank you for that. Um, and where can our audience find out more about you, Max? Uh, I'm right now I'm re, uh, repositioning myself in a, in a new career once again. So it, uh, the best way is, to, is at my personal email address, maximpg14 at gmail.com. And then the 14 comes from the basketball. You've guessed it. And uh -huh. um, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook with my full name, Maxim Paulus, P-A-U-L-H-U-S, Goslin. And um, I'm always, always, always willing to, to share and to listen if, if anybody has uh, as a family business and they, and they care to share with me or they, they want my input, they, it's always a pleasure to help. Fantastic. And we'll put links in the show notes to, to all of those um, as well. If you're happy for us to, to put your email address in there, we'll, we'll put that in. Sounds good. Excellent. Well, thank you very much indeed for your time. It's been a fantastic chat and, and great to share your um, experiences. So, so thank you for that. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. Or if you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.